Stand Up for the Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up for the Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion, addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for tuning in, you truth proclaimers and defenders. We appreciate you guys. I want to direct your attention to a brand new article at Harbinger's Daily. Dot com. They've got a phenomenal article on the uh, Real Impact Survey revealing what Californians are going to be voting on in November, and they are being deceived about Proposition 1. And we've got Jack Hibbs on the line to tell us about that. Uh, I want to just for briefly, for those of you that don't tune into the Noon Hour Power Lunch and hear Jack's teaching here, he's an author, conference speaker, founding pastor of Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, California, church was birthed from a home fellowship group that Jack and his wife Lisa began over 30 years ago. Jack Hibbs, welcome to Stand Up for the Truth. Brother, thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for taking the time this morning and getting up early with us out there. We want to mention a couple of the books or pamphlets that you've recently put out there, and one of them is on Temptation, the Battle of Your Life, and the other one is called Countdown, All Eyes on God's Ultimate End Game. Can you tell us briefly a little bit about both? Yeah, real quick. And this, these are two of what's going to be a, probably a limitless series. Here's the reason why. We made these deliberately small and pocket size uh, due to the COVID event. We watched people just become incredibly tempted by fear, mm. tempted by uh, other situations. And so I went through a study on Luke's gospel, the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness, put this together. It's a, it's a pocket power book for you to deal with temptation. Everybody's tempted. Jesus was tempted, but what do you do with it? And then the other one is, exactly as you say, countdown. Uh, what does the Bible say in the days in which we're living? How does it affect our lives? And a lot of people during the pandemic era were calling and asking, is this part of the end of the tribulation period? Are we beginning it? Is this the end of the world? A lot of people didn't know that uh, there is a very specific and beautiful thing that God gave us, and that's called Bible prophecy, but most people don't want to read it. Mm -hmm. So again, this is a pocket-sized, detailed book that points out, pocket-sized details, sounds like an oxymoron, right? Mm -hmm. But it's, it, it highlights the things that you don't need to be afraid about and the things that you need mm -hmm. to make sure that you're diligent about. Well, Jack, we thank you for uh, putting these out there. Fear has been such a huge issue, not yeah. only with Americans and people around the world, but even in the church. And, of course, Christians, we have not been given a spirit of fear. So very important. Um, everyone's dealing with it to some degree. We've got to be able to minister to those in our communities who are dealing with fear. We have the answers, and that's faith in Christ. Um, Jack, before we get into the content of this new survey and how Californians are being deceived, what is real impact? Yeah, real impact is a ministry uh, parallels to our church. We started real impact in 1997. Wow. Uh, when we began to see uh, in our own hometown the attack on Christmas, uh, stores stopped uh, announcing Christmas. Mm. They started replacing the word Christmas with other words. So we will, what we wound up doing is going around in June asking our local stores how they were going to address Christmas <laughs> uh, in the upcoming year, and that we would patronize uh, it made sure that we supported the stores that that mentioned Christmas. It was such an overwhelming success that now every year we have a team that goes out to the local stores from Nordstrom's to Target to Walmart and everything in between, and we ask them, hi, this is our annual survey. How will you be uh, announcing your your uh, Christmas season? And they we've had local stores like Target, for example, and Nordstrom's change their complete theme because, thank God, we may not be a big town, but we've mm -hmm. got about, you know, 12,000 adults that attend our church. And so they've got shopping power. So that's how it started. Yes. And from there, it branched into legislative things, a watchdog ministry of what cities and counties in our state were doing regarding bills and legislation. And now it's turned into something that churches nationally look to 
to find out what's going on in their region. So it's been an amazing, amazing parachurch ministry. That's so, great. Yeah. That's great. I didn't realize it was around for that long, and I appreciate American Family Association and their Say Merry yeah. Christmas campaign and how, you know, the secular culture would like to just kind of remove Christ and the real meaning of Christmas and keep it commercialized. Yep. But, Jack, I want to compliment you. One of the things we really appreciate about your ministry and your church is having Charlie Kirk out there for Happening Now. Uh, those events are so yep. amazing, and it, it gives us hope for the younger generation and young kids like Turning Point USA. So thank yep. you for doing those. Um, Our pleasure. A lot of your focus, other than teaching verse by verse through the Bible, is in getting Christians engaged and oh, on politics, uh-oh, political issues. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there, there's a, a commandment that says, thou shalt not murder, which is what we're going to talk about today. But people in America wrongly think that's a political issue. So let's talk about California, and I'm going to read this real quick from Brianna Clausen and Steve Clausen over at Harbinger's Daily. By the way, another poll came out of Americans, 90% of Americans reject the Democrat position of abortions up until birth, 90%. So there's some confusion on legislation. So here's the sentence here, and I'll let you comment on it further, Jack Hibbs. A new survey conducted by Real Impact and Rasmussen, Rasmussen Reports shows that the majority of Californians are not in favor of limitless abortion, as politicians, the media, Hollywood, and activists would have you believe. So, Jack, what is Proposition 1? Californians are going to be voting on it, and, it's, and apparently there's some confusion about it. Yeah, to answer your question accurately, and, it's, and it's, it must happen this way, Gavin Newsom is extremely proactive regarding uh, undermining the Constitution. I'm, I'm not making this up. Mm -hmm. We've had him as our governor yep. for a while before that. He was attorney general in the state. We know him. Everybody knows him and his tactics. So I say that to say this. Newsom was a coy and sly enough to see that Roe v. Wade would eventually come up at the U.S. Supreme Court. Him and his 100% uh, Democrat-controlled government here in California, you got to remember that, they have a supermajority. Uh, there's no other voice but their voice. So they can pass whatever they want to pass. So what yep. he did was he, he was fearful that the Supreme Court might do what they wound up doing, and that is overturn Roe v. Wade. So what he did was he crafted a bill. It was originally a, a, a state assembly bill, and then it now is a proposition because they passed it. And it was to circumnavigate anything that the U.S. Supreme Court might do regarding Roe v. Wade. Mm -hmm. In other words, it would enshrine abortion in California, listen to this, by amending our state constitution, which is no small thing. But here's where it gets terrible for everyone. Your listeners, and I get it, your listeners and viewers right now might be saying, look, California is known to produce lunacy. What do we care? <laughs> we, we live in Green Bay. We don't care. Well, here's why you, you now must care. Prop 1 will not only allow abortions to take place at the time of birth, mm -hmm. literally the child can be fully out of the mother's womb and then murdered. Yes. And here's the thing that he has invited children, he has invited any woman across the other 49 states, if you want to come and experience reproductive rights and freedoms, you can come to California. If you're underage, you don't have to notify your parents. There's full funding for this. Wow. You come, have your abortion, go back home, and nobody will be the wiser, but you will have your reproductive privileges and rights uh, protected by the wonderful, wonderful work of the California Democrat mm. Party. And people, people who would say, well, that's a California thing. This is not. This bill crosses the line so beyond. Yes. Even in the Rasmussen poll, 79%, as you said, of Californians say, that's too far. Yep, absolutely. And by the way, Jack Hibbs, isn't it interesting that they've changed the language? Um, yep. We're talking about murder of innocent yep. life, human life and mother's wombs, which 
in our culture today, now we're in a place where Isaiah 520, they're calling evil good and good evil. They're using the language reproductive freedom. First of all, they don't reproduce if they're aborting babies. But we've come to now go along with this language, uh, reproductive freedom or choice. It is not a choice. The baby doesn't have a choice. Um, so, right. Jack, this is really interesting that they now have this language in this legislation supposedly protecting a constitutional right to privacy and something that was never there to begin with, correct? You are 100% spot, spot on in this. This is exactly what's going on. And I do believe exactly what you just said. I often quote it myself in Isaiah 5, that to take what is right and craft it, vilify what is right, and, and then say, no, now that's wrong, and this is the new the new right. If you beat that drum long enough, apparently, people either A, begin to believe it, or B, and here's where my my torch is lit. <laughs> B <laughs> is pastors pastors will pastor churches and and either teach or not teach their people about what's happening in their culture. Pastors are commanded to be the watchmen on the wall. We are to blow the trumpet when evil is approaching. This is the greatest evil, and this is not an exaggeration. Think about Adolf Hitler in the 30s and 40s. Mm-hmm. This is the greatest evil that's going on in, in America today because it's wrapped in the trappings of of political uh, debate. Mm-hmm. It's wrapped in the, in, the, in, the, in the picture of this is coming from Sacramento. This is coming from government. Oh, this is coming from Mr. Tall, Dark, and Handsome, Gavin Newsom. <laughs> I, I, you know, he's, he talks like Batman. He's got amazing hair. And apparently that's enough to get elected in this day and age. How is this happening? Mm-hmm. Because pastors are not equipping their people with practical knowledge that the Word of God is usable, practical, and functional today in the 21st century in our everyday life. Mm. And so you might hear somebody say, Pastor, uh, we, we preach the gospel at our church, but we don't get involved in politics. But murder <laughs> is murder is a spiritually addressed issue, and it does entail politics. And the fact of the matter is, and I like to look at it this way, you and I know well that God, the God of the Bible, instituted marriage— he instituted the church, and he instituted government. These are divine institutions that God created. Yes. But the Christian church has avoided it because pastors have avoided it because of this reason. Politics is rough and tumble—I should say government—is rough and tumble hard work. Why is that? Because Satan knows how to control people, and he does it by that power, by brokering that power. But I'll leave you with this. Government is of God— and politics is what man does to government. It's like it's like sex is from God, but Satan will destroy it and make it ugly and evil. Mm-hmm. And he'll turn it into a, a, a porn or a bad thing when God gave it in the first place. God gave us government, and they want to make it political. God gave us family, and now they want to redefine what a family is. We yes. are under attack. Yep. This is This is a spiritual fulfillment of the last day's infiltration of doctrines of demons and evil spirits that Paul warned Timothy about that would come and seek to perpetrate evil. And it's happening. We just we just need pastors. We need pastors to be fearless. We yes. need pastors to speak truth, and you'll see their congregations rise up and vote, speak up, and rescue their children and rescue their homes. Yes, and you know you're alluding to the fact that we need to be salt and light again, Amen. which I think yes. we've, we've backed out of culture for far too many decades and bought the lie that there is a separation between church and state. Christians need to keep their faith behind church walls. Pastor Jack Hibbs, we need to get to some of these insights on this poll, and it's fascinating because we know what happens in California doesn't stay in California. But it right. says 70% of the poll respondents consider themselves to be Democrat, and That's yet right. and yet, 79% believe of these California likely voters believe abortion should be limited to some degree. Um, right. One more thing, and I'll, I'll let you respond. It says a mere 13%, 13 of Californians share Proposition 1's extreme radical stance that abortion should be legal up to the moment of birth, and yet 
66% of California voters say they support Proposition 1. So this is a profound lack of awareness and confusion. Right. So, Jack Hibbs, other than, I mean, pastors equipping the saints and talking about this and Christians getting engaged, what else needs to be done? Exactly what you're doing. You invited me on your program today. I was on several programs yesterday. Everyone, every single one of us have some form of communication with at least one other person. Mm. We've got to tell people nationally about Prop 1 because it is not going to stay in California. Mm -hmm. This governor is going to export it to your town. Don't think you're safe. He's coming with this to invade your child, to invade your young adult's life. Getting the word out, we see now, is starting to wake people up. For example, uh, Real Impact is something that is waking pastors up on this issue. I heard it last night at church. People showed up, and they said, listen, we didn't even—we saw this this press release. We didn't even know Prop 1 uh, was going on, because we go to some other church, and they don't even talk about these things. Of course. This is what we've got. We've got to get Mm. the word out. Every single one of us. This is a Herculean lift. Mm. We've all got to do it. You, You and I can't do it by ourselves. We got to talk it up and get it out. And this is the funny thing. Once you educate somebody, in fact, I'll be, I'll be, I'll, I'll be tastefully graphic right now. <laughs> we cool. are, we are heavily, heavily involved as a church in pro-life outreach. Mm. We're known for that in California. But we not only, we not only encourage young women out in front of Planned Parenthood to not get an abortion. We wind up taking that woman, that young woman, and we wind up taking her all the way through her prenatal. We pay for that. We find adoption. If the child wants, to, if the mom wants to put the baby up for adoption, we find homes for, for that uh, child. Uh, some kids have gotten actual uh, savings deposits created in their names. We not only stop the abortion, we help the mother all the way through. Praise Churches God. need to do that. We yes. need to not only say don't, we need to also say we've got the answer. But we've got to get the word out, because here's the thing. If you show on your phone a woman that's going in or a friend that's considering or defending abortion, show them on your phone some of these images of what an abortion looks like, which are available. Show them on your phone. Yeah. This is what we are talking about. I'm telling you, brother, these are where the minds are being changed in 10 seconds when they see the violence and the damage of what Prop 1 does, where a baby is left in pieces or without a head, mm. people say, okay, that's wrong. Yep. They see it. They've got, it's so sad. We've come to that point where they've got to see what we're talking about. Yes, yes. Uh, someone said uh, years ago that America will not resist abortion until America sees abortion. And that means right. the graphic images you're talking about. And then there's this almost demonic response at times with people just angry that we're actually showing what is simply true and that, that's, right. that's actually being done to these babies. Um, we're also going to talk a little later on, um, Jack, in, in this podcast about the response to the arson and the attacks on pro-life pregnancy centers and churches, which is gone. Really, um, the media is kind of quiet on it, and there's reasons for that. But I want to talk about some good news briefly Um and we just got like a minute and a half left in this segment. 13 states are abortion-free. 62 abortion businesses have been closed down since yep. Roe v. Wade has been overturned. So there is some good news. And, yep. um, boy, I would just like to get your response to that. The good news, and there's a lot of work to be, gun- be done yet, but we need to keep a balanced perspective on this, right? Yeah, absolutely. The good news is great news, and we're so thankful for, imagine this, imagine, so Donald Trump was in office for such a really short period of time when you considered battling his presidency for three years under the Russian collusion stuff and impeachment. Mm -hmm. So in a very short period of time, I think God used him to put in and to change the complexion of the U.S. Supreme Court. It might have been just for one reason, and it might have been to reverse Roe v. Wade. Why do I say that? Because what's come of it is extremely good. So what people need to realize is that when we stand up and do the right thing, God honors that. This is not a time to quit or roll over. It's also a great time to get excited about the fact that God told us there'd be days like this in the scriptures. And so this is a time for us to see that God wants good to be done, but he's basically, I believe, calling out 
across the land saying, will someone stand in the gap? Mm. And it's my prayer, and I know it's your prayer, that millions of us rise up and, and say, not on our watch, we're blowing the trumpets, and so we thank God for these states that have uh, obeyed their constitutions mm. and have preserved life. Um, so, yes, just be on guard, my friends. Put your Get your sword out, spiritually speaking, the Word of God, and get your helmet on and your sword up, because, once again, uh, Newsom is targeting those states with this propaganda. So it's a war, yes. but greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world. And battles will come and go, but I've read the book of Revelation, and gloriously we win in the end. Mm. So let's get on the winning side. Let's let's follow the Lord boldly, and let's be behind the truth. Let the truth grow, go ahead of us. And we're going to do just fine. Amen. Uh, Pastor Jack, we've got to take a break, but are you able to stay a few more minutes and share a little bit about your testimony? I'll do whatever you want, my friend. Praise God, because I don't think a lot of people understand that you are an abortion survivor, which is one of the reasons you are so passionate on this issue. We'd like to just take another 10 minutes with you when we come back from our break. And friends, we're going to talk about, sadly, Walmart announced they are expanding abortion coverage for their employees That's later on. More with Pastor Jack Hibbs on Stand Up For The Truth. Keep it right here. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. If you would like to get more information on what we're talking about, Proposition 1 and the Survey of Californians, you can go to realimpact.us. That is real impact.us. Jack Hibbs is our guest, and the article over at Harbinger's Daily, they do such wonderful work, and it's called Real Impact Survey Reveals Californians Are Being Deceived About Proposition 1. And the title of this podcast today is Christians Must Wake Up, Speak Up on Abortion, Silence is Approval. And Jack Hibbs, I think of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, that great man of God who once said, silence in the face of evil is itself evil. And boy, we've, we've been a silent church generally in America, haven't we? Well, you know, we really have and we're reaping, you know. Yes, uh, yes. The, the, the result of that silence, our prayer and our, our passion is committed to waking pulpits and pews up uh, to get involved. We've got to defend our religious freedoms. God has given us a republic. Unlike other nations, we have a voice that God gave us, but I think you're right. Mm-hmm. I think we have selected, we've chosen to not exercise that witness. And in, in a sense, you said it earlier, we've chosen not to be salt, we've chosen not to be light. That's mm-hmm. not a good day. Yes. That's a good thing. Yes. We've got, and a lot of education needs to take place in our pews, not just being equipped in the Word of God, which should be enough, by the way, but we also That's need right. to be encouraged to get out into our culture and be those lights. The hope, it's so dark out there, so it just takes a little bit of light. Uh, Pastor Jack, you've got an amazing story on basically your birth story and then how you and Lisa were so very different in your upbringings, but you uh, went through, uh, well, you were a product of an attempted abortion. Please share that story that I don't think a lot of people really know the facts of. Yeah, I'll give you the the 30,000-foot view. My my, uh, my mom was born and raised in Hawaii. Uh, she's Portuguese. Uh, didn't speak much English at, at all, but she wound up meeting my dad in the U.S. Marines in Honolulu. And so... Um, coming over, being redeployed back to San Diego, uh, my they, they had a son and they had a daughter. My dad made it very clear, uh, no more kids. We've got two, that's it. Uh, well, she got pregnant, mm. and uh, it wasn't like it was her fault. I mean, <laughs> so he told her, uh, listen, I'm being, I'm being, uh, I'm going to be in Alaska for a year when I come home. I don't want to have a third child. Do what you need to do. Wow. And so it was December 24th, Christmas Eve, 1957, where my mom, terrified, really didn't know anybody but a couple of neighbors, put my brother and my sister to bed and then attempted an abortion. Hmm. And a neighbor discovered her and wound up taking her to the hospital, Sharps Memorial Hospital in San Diego. And they, you know, took care of her and and 
laid in bed there until January 15th when I had a chance to come into this world by the grace of God. Wow. And so when I found that out, I, I found that out when I was uh, in high school. My mom uh, told me about that. And it didn't matter. Listen, when you're in, the, when you're in high school, you don't care about stuff like that. You're invincible. Mm-hmm. You're thinking about surfing and <laughs> girls and whatever. And so it wasn't until I got saved, the, the, the night I got saved, when I heard the gospel and accepted Christ, that, that reality hit me like a ton of bricks. Oh my gosh, God saved me for a purpose. What is it? And that has been my lifelong uh, journey and passion, is to find out, Lord, why did you save me? What's next? Mm. So I'm telling you right now, brother, that I'm, I'm 65 years old. I'm still seeking the next step for why he saved me. <laughs> I've enjoyed every moment of it. And here's a word to everybody, is that whatever Satan meant for evil, God turns around for good. And whatever, if you've had abuse in your life, if you have been beaten, if you have been betrayed, if you have been left alone, if you've been abandoned, listen, only in Jesus does he take the most horrific things that we estimate in this life, and he turns those things around and makes them greater in effect for the kingdom. And I'm telling you right now, I would not have changed a thing. I would not have changed a thing in my life, and the upbringing and the issues that that brought forth wouldn't change a thing. God has been so good. That's why I must speak out to defend life. It is the hill that I die on. This is it. And I have scriptural support for that. Yes. God's Word commands us, speak up for those who have been determined to be destroyed. Speak up for those who have no voice. And if that doesn't apply to the unborn child, then I don't know who it applies to. Amen. So that's my passion, and God has been good to me, and I, I, suppose, I was supposed to die once a long time ago. And so for that reason, I, I believe there's a sense of of passion and commitment to me where it just doesn't matter what people say because I wasn't supposed to be here in the first place but God. Praise God. Seeking the approval of God, not man. Um, Amen. What an amazing story, Pastor Jack. And um, we, can, we can tell you're passionate about this, as most of us, all Bible-believing Christians, should be passionate about defending life because all the days ordained for us were written in his book before we were even born. So, um, friends, I want to direct you to realimpact.us, equipping the church to stand for righteousness in the public square. Get out from under the lampstand or under the, the table and uh, get out there in the culture. Uh, Jack Hibbs, you also have a little story in, in the book Turn Around at Home. That's a little bit about yours and Lisa's story and different upbringings, correct? That is exactly correct. Turn Around at Home, uh, the subtitle is Leaving a Spiritual Legacy Greater Than What You've Received by David C. Cook publishers and it's available everywhere and it's uh it's two different stories lisa grew up in a very wonderful beautiful huge she was the baby of nine kids <laughs> a baptist home in anaheim california i grew up uh in orange county california with no presence of god at all mm. and uh wow. she had legalism i had absolute liberty uh, in a bad way and yet god brought us together <laughs> And the stories are just opposite pendulum swings. And um, we hope, well, we know that it's been an encouragement to those who've taken the time to read that. So, yeah, thank you for bringing that up so much. Well, thank you for your time today. JackHibbs.com on the radio station that hosts Stand Up For The Truth podcast. We have a noon hour power lunch where you kick it off at 12 noon with uh, 30-minute teaching. So thank you for your ministry, Jack. And uh, God willing, we'll keep in touch. Amen. Thank you so much. All right. God bless you. Uh, Jack Hibbs, uh, you can get him. Uh, you can get information on him, jackhibbs.com, plus check out info on his church. But the article that we really want to point you to, friends, is called Real Impact Survey Reveals Californians Are Being Deceived About Proposition 1. You can find that at harbingersdaily.com. Uh, what a blessing to get pastors on this podcast that are passionate not only about the Word of God, but about translating that into action and being out in the culture, in the public square, being what we need to do as Christians, salt and light. The Bible has a lot to say about salt and a lot to say about light. Jesus said to believers, you are the light of the world. So I want to continue now on these themes we've been talking about with um, a story that we've talk, touched about, uh, touched on before. 
the response, the national response, particularly in our government, to the attacks, including violent attacks, graffiti, firebombs, arson attacks on pro-life pregnancy centers, on Christian churches, some Catholic churches. Um, if I'm right, I think there are about a 100 now, probably more than that, because we haven't talked about this for a week or two. But let me just point out one. It's called Compass Care, and this is in Buffalo, New York. Their office was firebombed by abortion terrorists, uh, pro-abortion Democrats, and uh, firefighters responded. There was smoke. The windows were blown out and graffiti on the building left by the uh, arsonists. They often leave their autograph behind, right? Jane's Revenge was one of the groups, right, that takes responsibility. Um, Our friend, Julianne Appling, here locally in our state, Madison, Wisconsin, she was firebombed. Her office was, fortunately, before in the early morning hours before they got in there. That was in May of this year. Um, That's a pro-life family organization, Wisconsin Family Council. Um, The organization... Uh, really vowed, this organization, Jane's Revenge, I should say, they vowed more violence because the Supreme Court decision reversing Roe v. Wade has turned into what they call uh, a time of rage. Now, they used a night of rage to bomb some uh, firebomb, uh, arson, and attack Catholic churches and pro-life pregnancy centers. You heard Jack Hibbs explain a little bit about what pro-life centers do. And as Christians, we need to support them. Why? Because we're not only standing for life. Every human life has value from the womb to the tomb. You've heard it before. But what about those young girls who get pregnant, unplanned pregnancies? What do they do after they have their babies born, right? We fight for life, but do we help support them? Prayers, finances, um, things they need around the home. Some of them have to get an apartment. We need to step up as churches, friends. That is the body of Christ coming together to help young girls and young women provide these lives uh, a home, a safe home. So let me go back to this article. In response to arson attacks, let's just take the one example. Just one time, and I'm emphasizing that, a Planned Parenthood clinic was attacked in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Let's compare that. Now, there are probably well over a 100 attacks now on pro-life centers, pregnancy centers, organizations, Christian or Catholic churches, vandalized graffiti, uh, firebomb, Molotov cocktails, okay? Let's just take one of those, and that would be Compass Care in Buffalo, New York. Let's compare these two. Planned Parenthood in Kalamazoo. The only Planned Parenthood that we know that was attacked and there are over a hundred now, uh, and the Biden administration has done nothing. You know what? Who Biden supports? They support abortion f- for any reason. Um, they are totally behind the California Proposition One. Um, and let's just compare. The Planned Parenthood attack in Kalamazoo was an isolated attack. At the time, Compass Care in Buffalo, which is a pro-life pregnancy center. At the time they were attacked, they were one of over 50 pro-abortion terrorist attacks at that time. Now, when I'm um, looking for, was it May? Earlier this year, right? So an isolated attack on a Planned Parenthood and over 50 at that time on um, pro-life centers. Next, there was minor damage to the exterior of Planned Parenthood. I don't know what, I don't remember, I don't have the picture in front of me. Minor damage, it says, it was described as. Over at Compass Care in Buffalo, New York, the service capacity was destroyed. Over in Kalamazoo, Michigan, Planned Parenthood, immediately there was a federal law enforcement response. Immediately. Over at Compass Care, Pro-Life Center in Buffalo, New York, federal law enforcement response took five weeks. Over in Kalamazoo, the one Planned Parenthood, immediate statement from the U.S. Attorney's Office condemning the attack. Over at Compass Care in Buffalo, New York, one limited statement from a local police office. One. 
Next, over in Planned Parenthood, the uh, Kalamazoo, Michigan, sympathy from the mainstream media. They reported on it. They condemned the attacks, of course, the pro-abortion media. Over in Buffalo, New York, they attacked, <laughs> they attacked Compass Care and pro-life pregnancy centers, and they were lying about them, saying they don't really help women. So Compass Care was firebombed, put out of commission in Buffalo, New York, and the mainstream media attacked them, almost saying they deserved it. Let's go back to Michigan, Kalamazoo, Planned Parenthood. The suspect was arrested in four days. Compass Care Pregnancy Center in Buffalo, New York, no arrests. At the time, this was 77 days, so over two months, two and a half months, there were no arrests. And to to my knowledge, there still has not been been any arrest. Four days, the one isolated attack on one Planned Parenthood clinic in America at Planned Parenthood in Kalamazoo. The threat was neutralized to Planned Parenthood. Over at Compass Care in Buffalo, New York, and across the country, threats increased, including death threats to employees of pro-life pregnancy centers and women's, truly women's health centers. I'm just doing a comparison, friends, so you guys understand that we have a disconnect in this country and lies, the father of lies is having a field day as truth is being suppressed. Planned Parenthood in Kalamazoo, uh, they temporarily closed because they had some graffiti or something on the outside of their building, right? So they closed, right? They, because they wanted to play the victim, the martyr. Oh my goodness, we're being attacked. Well, Compass Care in Buffalo was firebombed, but they never stopped serving patients. They did it in another facility or another part of the building. They found a way to keep helping women who wanted to give life to their babies. So there is just one comparison. And by the way, that was one place where we were comparing uh, Michigan to New York, but that Compass Care was attacked and and firebombed. And this has gone on, like I said, uh, the Compass Care CEO, by the way, Jim Harden, says this, what we're seeing is like a pro-abortion crystal knocked. Because of this act of violence, the needs of women facing unplanned pregnancy are going unmet across the country because the left is coming unhinged because they don't understand that the overturning of Roe v. Wade meant that it is now up to the individual states to decide their own legislation, which should have been that way from the beginning. But we've got a lot more coming up. A good story and a victory for the Marines on Stand Up For The Truth next. Hoorah! Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Okay, before we continue, I've got to share. This article came out. You can find it over at the stream. The CDC finally admitted the science. So basically, we're taking the air quotes off of science, and now we're saying they admitted the true science on natural immunity. Why did it take so long? Just briefly, briefly, August of last year, one year ago, Science Magazine, a peer-reviewed academic journal of the American Association of the Advancement of Science, highlighted groundbreaking research out of Israel that the media certainly didn't touch on that upended the public health establishment. The research found that previous infection from COVID-19 conferred considerably stronger and long-lasting protection against the Delta variant than vaccines. You heard that correctly. That research came out last year, and the CDC finally released new data to show people who once had SARS COVID uh, infection were uh, much likely than never infected vaccinated people to get Delta or develop symptoms from it, or become hospitalized. So this is just very interesting. I, it's a kind of a lengthy article. Um, is this the death of vaccine mandates? Absolutely not. They're going to keep pushing that as the only solution because the Biden administration has imposed stringent vaccine rules for federal workers, corporations, healthcare workers, and um, anyway, that could estimate to about 100 million Americans. But this is kind of a different tune now, the CDC. So 
that article over at the stream. The CDC finally admits science on natural immunity. I wish we could take more time with that, but we're running out of time quickly. Um, so, hoorah! Marines win a major victory over Biden's vaccine mandate. Um, in a major setback for the Obama administration's vaccination mandate, a federal judge ruled military brass cannot punish any Marine who refuses to receive the COVID-19 vaccine for religious reasons. This is good news. U.S. District Judge uh, Stephen Meriday, an appointee of President George H.W. Bush, wow, he's been there for a while, granted a preliminary injunction to the thousands of Marines that were denied religious exemption to the shot while the case percolates through the judicial system. So this is good news. We'll see how the ultimate decision will, uh, what that will be. But U.S. Marines who filed for religious exemption, they were denied. It's like, sorry. Uh, But Matt Staver, the founder of Liberty Council, told Washington Watch, they cannot be forced to take the shot against their sincere religious objections. Not in America. They cannot be intimidated, coerced. They cannot be discharged. And they cannot be harassed in any way at all. But that's what the Biden administration wants to do. And uh, so there's some temporary good news anyway. Now, this is a disturbing story. I wrote a chapter about this, uh, about the Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation that is Marxist-driven, and it's an absolutely anti-Christian ideology that funds and supports Black Lives Matter, but we fell for the nice-sounding words, because black lives do matter, but so does every yellow life, so does every red life, so does every white life. By the way, there are no colors of skin. They're just different shades of melanin. I reported on this a um, couple years ago, but here's a story over the New York Post. The wife of a slain police officer, and that was a black police officer, killed by Black Lives Matter activists who were allowed to run free and unchecked across the country, who were co- you know, committing felonies blowing up cop cars, burning buildings, arsons taking over portions of cities, Minneapolis, Seattle, Portland, and the list goes on of fire and the damage, uh, billions of dollars in damage that was done across the country one summer as the government said, police stand down in different states, right? So this was um, an op-ed. I'm going to just go through as much as I can here in the last 10 minutes of the podcast. The wife of a slain black St. Louis police captain accused the Black Lives Matter movement and other progressive activists of being terrorists or supporting terrorists. She accused Vice President Kamala Harris of dividing America. And Anne Dorn was the wife. She's a, 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 she's a retired sergeant, by the way, from the St. Louis Metropolitan Police Department and widow now of Captain David Dorn, who was killed, a black police officer murdered by Black Lives Matter activists. Um, She wrote an op-ed saying that her husband's death was the product of Democrats and left-wing activists pushing an anti-law enforcement sentiment across the country, which they did. Quote, ultimately, David was murdered because the people who are supposed to protect our streets active duty police officers were ordered not to do their jobs. It is clear that the anti-law enforcement sentiment that has been fueled in this country by Democrat and left-wing activist rhetoric has gone too far, Dorn wrote. She blamed, quote, anti-law enforcement sentiment for the death, death of her husband. And she said, quote, yes, there are bad cops out there. But addressing bad policing by ordering no policing is not a solution. It is extremist. It is dangerous, and it cost my husband his life. So I just want to say flat out, friends, we're, we're very sad that this was allowed to happen in America, and that we had the actual definition of lawlessness and godlessness on our streets that we've never seen before in our history. And... I just really want to encourage you guys to pray for those that have been damaged 
really hurt by these policies and they've lost loved ones. I want to go back to this article. She reflected on her marriage to the police captain up until he died during the riots in St. Louis in June of 2020. Um, Dorn revealed that her husband had just been retired from the force, but never retired from serving his community, she said. And here's how it happened. One of our friends owned a pawn shop, which was only 10 minutes from our house, but nearly an hour away from where our friend lived. Because of this, her husband David was at the point of contact for the alarm system and would check on the shop whenever the alarm went off. He had been doing this for 30 years. She wrote that as a Black Lives Matter protest descended upon the city, leaving buildings burned and businesses looted, her husband responded to the pawn shop alarm, quote, knowing that the city was consumed by violence and chaos. He went there anyway. Anne Dorn accused Black Lives Matter movement of looting and wrecking businesses in St. Louis, Missouri. And when he arrived at the shop, David confronted a few of the rioters outside, one of whom was a man named Stephen Cannon. David told them it wasn't worth it, that there was little of value in the shop that wasn't tightly locked up. Moments later, Cannon shot David in the chest and he bled out on the sidewalk. A third rioter live-streamed the entire incident, and we later learned that one of the many viewers who watched David's murder unfold was David Dorn's grandson. Well, Cannon was finally found guilty of first-degree murder just last month, two years later, over two years later. So in her op-ed, Amy Dorn went on to detail why her late husband became a police officer uh, saying it was because he wanted to be a superhero as a child. And he was a superhero, superhero she said. Um, but then she said this, and this is important, but if real-life superheroes exist, so do supervillains. Those supervillains are people like the man who killed my husband. They are people like billionaire George Soros, who use their power and influence to promote extremist policies and fan the flames of division. They are people like Vice President Kamala Harris who raised money for the rioters, bailed them out, and the CEOs of prominent companies who blindly gave their support and money to Black Lives Matter. She condemned the movement, the Marxist-driven, godless movement against religion, against faith, against America, against the Constitution, against the family. She condemned them for spreading violence against law enforcement, and police officers. And it, it goes on, but there's the story of just one victim who lost a loved one. And there were dozens and dozens of murders committed by Black Lives Matter. Was this justice to make up for the one man that was murdered? I don't think so. I don't think anybody would say that. But I wrote about this in detail, a little bit of background that you probably might not be aware of about Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation that was actually funding money to the Democrat Party. And it's amazing that they were doing this by their donations. You thought your donations, when you first heard about Black Lives Matter, you wanted to help as being a concerned Christian who loved their neighbor. You wanted to help. It sounded like a good cause. So you donated to them. You had no idea where their donations went, did you? The donations meant to, went to fund radical causes. So I wrote about this, I believe, in part in two different chapters of my book, Canceling Christianity. Um, one of the chapters was um, Lives That Matter to God. Lives That Matter to God. Black Lives Matter and Mark's Madness. I just basically basically contrasted the Christian worldview and Marxism, and which drives Black Lives Matter. It's a godless system. It's a godless ideology. And they've got to remove God and the Bible and the Christian worldview in order for them to succeed and to spew their ideology and to, to make converts. Make no mistake, they're gaining disciples in the school system. Marxism is driving, driving through our school system in America. Uh, we've talked about that. Look up Alex Newman and so many others that we've had on the podcast to talk about that. Um, and I think I, I talked about it in another chapter. Let's see, where is it? Um, Epic Battle for a Nation's Soul. So, you know, you can check that out. Uh, many of you, thankfully, uh, ordered the book. 
So praise God uh, for that. So we're trying to raise awareness about the truth. What did Jack Hibbs say at the beginning of this podcast? We're trying to get Christians engaged. We're trying to equip the saints to not only do the work of ministry, but also to impact culture for Christ. Impact. That's why they came up with real impact. And you can, you can again go and check that out. We uh, looked that up earlier. A great article. By the way, thank you to Harbinger's Daily for putting that out. We also want to thank, uh, again, our friends at Red Pill Prints for putting out a brand new Stand Up for the Truth uh, coffee mug. It's a sharp-looking, uh, large uh, black mug that says Stand Up for the Truth, John 14, 6, and it's got the cross on there in a little uh, flame in the background. It's a beautiful, beautiful mug. I'm going to order a bunch. But that's at uh, StandUpForTheTruth.com and the upper right of the navigation bar. One word, it says merch. So anything above the cost of materials and shipping, they send to our ministry, Stand Up For The Truth. Bless them. Uh, We did not ask for this, but they're doing this for us. They have an, an entire page set up for us. Stand up for the truth gear. So two dozen things. Go So go check that out and uh, buy a print, T-shirt, hat, coffee mug, um, hoodie. So, guys, thank you so much. We've got so much to, left to talk about. We didn't get to a couple of the stories, but as you know, they never stop. Again, I want to remind you to cast your cares over on the Lord. We weren't meant to keep up with everything. So I've really been challenged because I've been feeling weary recently. I want to just challenge you to make sure you're spending more time in God's Word than you are in the headlines, than you are in the debates and other things, worldly things. And as First John you know, 2, I believe 15 through 17 says, Do not love this world or the things in this world. If you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. And we are not to have a love for the world, but a love for the truth. Let us be Christians who really stand up for truth. Um, I've got just a few seconds left, and I read this in Romans 1 today, how these godless men and women in our society, godlessness, they suppress the truth in unrighteousness. They suppress the truth. Let's make sure to stand up for the truth of Jesus Christ. Okay, friends, um, it's so important. So stay in the Word. Um, again, StandUpForTheTruth.com. Uh, Check out our blog with all of our guests, alphabetical order even. Go to your favorite guest, click on it, and you'll see the recent podcasts that they have done if you want to listen to a a particular guest. We're talking Ken Ham, Ray Comfort, Mike Lindell, um, Erwin Lutzer, Kevin Sorbo. We just had Jack Hibbs, uh, Alex Newman. Um, We're just so blessed. I learned so much doing this, you guys. I don't have all the answers. I try to ask the guests the right questions so they can uh, help encourage us, educate us all. So praise God. So coming up tomorrow, we're going to talk about the book of Daniel. And we've got a very important podcast with a brand new guest, Claude Stoffer. He's got an extensive book on Daniel. We'll be talking about that. And next week, my goodness, we're, we're set to go with some amazing guests, including John Haller, Doreen Virtue, Laura Perry, God bless you, and as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.